Shalom everyone, this is Luke Tanner with Zion Hebraic Congregation. Today's Shabbat message is by my dad, and it is from Romans chapter 12, entitled Just Show Up. Uh, feel free to check us out on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. There you will find archived Shabbat messages, as well as blog posts by my dad. You can subscribe to those in the subscribe box. Feel free to also check out our social media links there, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does not only away. The soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and So we're in Romans 12. We're going to be looking at uh, just the first two verses, actually. Um, like I was saying, I've never spent so much time in, in a particular chapter, and I'm not even really making it through the chapter. And so probably, you know, almost two weeks now, but for a few of those days I was sick and didn't do anything. So, but I want to focus in, on just verses one and two. Initially, I was going to read the whole chapter, but by the time I get through working out a sermon, I have like three of them, and we'd be here all day. So I'm going to really try to keep it to a minimum, and I don't know what that means. So let's let's pray, and then we'll we'll read. Father, I do thank you for your word. Um, thank you for the blessing that is mine as the one that gets to prepare this meal, that I really get to experience a lot of new the nuances that I normally would not because I don't spend as much time in it, but it's been a blessing. And I thank you for pausing me here on these verses and challenging me. And I just pray, Father, that you work in this service today and somehow use these halting words of mine to uh, at least somehow speak to everybody's heart at least one way and above that, that Yeshua, our Savior, will be magnified in all. And it's Him we, we seek to please, and He's the one we're here to worship. So we give you all the glory. In Yeshua's name, amen. All right, so verses 1 and 2. You probably don't even need to look at your Bible. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if you read, and I'm sure you have read Romans, it's almost split in two. Chapters 1 through 11 just have this sort of mindset theme of direction. When you hit, and, and it's more um, theological, we'll say, well, very theological. When you hit, the, hit, when you hit Romans 12, and not that the previous hasn't been practical, but it's more on the practical side. So he's given a foundation in the first 11 chapters of how to stand and then go. And so then when you hit chapter 12, it's, okay, now go. Let's make this practical. And so that's kind of the natural division of, of Romans. Uh, what 
I've, I've labeled this two different things. The reason for the first title is because I was going to try to get into verses 3 through 21, which this title would speak to, and that is to be effective for God's purpose. So you have verses 1 and 2, where Paul is, is launching into this new direction, making it very practical. And then from verse 3 on, he's then going to say, see, everything I've given you, we, we've parked on verses 1 and 2. I'm putting not his words. We've parked on verses 1 and 2. Now I'm going to show you how to be effective for God's purpose. And that's what it's all about. I mean, that's what his whole word is for. That's why we meet. That's why we fellowship. That's why we read his word. To be more effective for his purpose for our lives as his children. But we're not going to get to that. The second title, and we're going to try to zero in on this, is how about just show up? How about just show up? And that didn't really come until the end of my looking into all this. Because if you've memorized these verses, which many of us have, and then you try to do something with it, if you're anything like me, it's like you, you stumble all over yourself. Because there's some phrases in here that, at least for me, that I didn't really recognize until yesterday, <laughs> were what my stumbling block was of trying to fit myself into these verses. And if I remember, I'll get back to that. And so we've memorized these verses. And, and as I was thinking about it, I just thought this. These are probably some of the best known verses that are least lived out. Right? Everybody knows Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? Raise your hand, right? You know, you know these verses already, right? By heart. Well, here we go. Raise your hand if you're doing it. I mean, I know we could say it about a lot of the Bible, but these are some of the best, well-known, memorized verses in Christendom, in the Messianic movement. We know these verses. So as I was reading them, it's kind of like, oh yeah, Romans 12, 1, 2, I've memorized, blah, 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 blah. I can say to my sleep backwards and forwards. But then I started to slow it down and say, Warren, yeah, but... Are you in these verses? Are you really doing what's in this? Have you fulfilled it? Where are you in this? So I had to just kind of like, you know, the record, crawl to a screeching halt. And I, so that's what I did. I just decided to, to look into this for myself. Um, What happened for me was, and this didn't happen until yesterday, but I didn't realize there's a section of this I kind of just leapfrog over. I read it, but I, I leapfrog over it. And it, and it, it kind of became to me, ha, huh, the answer to why I'm not really completely on board. I am, you know, I believe it all, but completely on board as far as living it out. Because how, how, do you, how in the world do you do this? Present your body a living sacrifice? Holy? Acceptable unto God? 
And then, it's just plain old reasonable. It's logical. That's the word for logic. It's logical. Based on everything I've said, what I've just said now, the logical conclusion is you have no other choice. You've been bought with a price. Give it all over to God. It just makes sense. That's what Paul is saying. Then he says, okay, bang. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. Have your mind removed. Test what God's will is. Good, good stuff. So, I had to confront my unresolved stumbling block in this verse. And, and for me, it might not be for you, but for me is, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by, I'm going to kind of read it how I would read it until yesterday. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy of God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed. The holy and acceptable part, I realize, is, is what I think for me and maybe for others and for you. What is it? F- you know, if you're really going to not just memorize verses so you can check them off, but meditate on these verses like I told you George Mueller would do, word by word by word by word, spend hours in prayer as he meditated through the New Testament and prayed through the New Testament. As you start thinking about these words, a living sacrifice, that's like an oxymoron, Holy? Holy? That's a big one. Who, I mean, again, raise your hand if, you're, if you know you're satisfied with your level of holiness in your life right now. Well, no. So do I wait until I'm holy? Do I have to be a certain level of holy? How holy does one have to be? And then acceptable to God? I mean, I don't know about you, but there's times throughout the day more than once where I'm not feeling like God is, uh, you, know, uh, you know, things are kind of like we were talking this morning. Yeah, that guy about my blog. Yeah, I want to get my pound of flesh from that person because that person just trashed me, you know. And so you launch out, your pride is hurt, and you speak and say things. Then you sit back and say, hmm, I wasn't too pleased, and was it, Father? I bet you that wasn't too accepting. You know, we go through... Our feet get muddied every day. So how do we do this wholly acceptable part? At least for me, that was where I was. So here's what I concluded. This was my own thought, and then I found a commentator after that that very briefly, and I'm going to read more of his stuff, said what I'm going to say, but much briefer. A live, this was my thought. So I'm, saying, I'm wrestling with myself, holy, acceptable, how, how, how am I going to do, ever be holy enough? A, so this is my thought. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This, here's my thought. This is possible and only possible because of our salvation in Yeshua. His death and resurrection made it possible for this to be a reality for us in our devotion to God. We're never holy enough unto God in and of ourselves, and never will be. So what Paul is trying to say is, because we are positionally in Yeshua, and we have his righteousness, we're clothed in his righteousness, we're no longer dead in our trespasses and sin, we couldn't save ourselves because we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but now we've been made holy in Yeshua. And so we... I'm not letting us off the hook. We don't have to wait around until we're, yep, I've reached a level of holiness now. I can really go for God. Because that'll never happen. 
But if we ever hope to present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice and then go from the part I skip over to a different relationship in our life as we live out in the world, we're going to have to rest on Yeshua because we cannot do it. We just cannot do it. And this is something I don't know. I want to say I could be wrong. I think we're missing in our modern messianic teaching and I think we're missing in our modern Christianity. If you go back and read the old authors, they served God full of blemishes and pockmarks in their life, but they didn't get hung up over it because they had a firm foundation on the fact that they are made righteous in Yeshua and because of his holiness, we can therefore enter boldly into the throne room of God and cry out for mercy and help and rest in the fact that our Savior is going to intercede on our behalf. And if that's not enough, the Holy Spirit's interceding for us. So no, we cannot serve God ever in our own holiness because we don't have it. Except in Yeshua. And so when that hit, it was like, wow. That's what Paul's trying to get us to see. The whole 11 chapters before. I mean, if you start and read it in Romans 1, it's a disaster upon a disaster, and there's none righteous, uh, poison of asps is under their tongue. Oh, gosh, and then he just blasts us with Romans 3, and then you hit 6, and it's like, okay, you need to be saved. And also, it's, it's a symphony. His, his, if, you, if you're not in classical music, you can't, can't get this, but it's a symphony, how Paul writes under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful work of music. We're just not familiar enough with it to catch it, to sense it. You know, I love Mozart. I have just about everything Mozart has, along with Elvis. But to, to, to love Mozart or any classical writer, real, uh, uh, um, uh, I'm getting off, uh, composer, you have to enter in. And then after a couple of listenings, it starts to come together, and all of a sudden, wow, the continuity is there. Therefore, that's why it's called a symphony. It's together flowing well. And that's Paul's writings under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's see, where am I here? How do I want to do this? Let me read some notes from Albert Barnes in case we don't get further into this. But he presents some good notes, and, and they're these, so try to not space out, all right? And in his notes, he's from the 1780s, I think he, he lived, and I just love his notes, or maybe 1880s, one of those. Anyway, so he splits it up in his commentary, your body's a living sacrifice, living, acceptable unto God, and then we'll end with the acceptable to God, in which he ends up saying what I just said, we can't do this on our own, it's only because of Yeshua. So, so your bodies. The bodies of animals were offered in sacrifice. The apostle specifies their bodies particularly in reference to that fact. Still, the entire animal was devoted, and Paul evidently meant here the same as to say, present yourselves, your entire person, to the service of God. Now, when I read stuff, I try to think, but I'm thinking, present my 
whole entire person to God for his service? Have you done that? Have we done that? Our entire person. It was not customary or proper to speak of a sacrifice as an offering of a soul or spirit in the common language of the Jews. And hence, the apostle applied their customary language of sacrifice to the offering which Christians were to make of themselves to God. Because a living sacrifice, to me that's an oxymoron, because if you, if you bring an animal and you sacrifice, it's dead. Well, Paul is saying, you're coming, and I had tons of verses on this, where how we're dead, I die daily, we're, uh, um, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I had several verses to show that we were dead, we got saved, but we're still dead. You know, I am crucified with Christ, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. <laughs> That's great stuff. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faithful Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's another way of saying what Paul is trying to get across here. Right, so that's his note on bodies. Give it all. A living sacrifice. A sacrifice is an offering made to God as an atonement for sin, or any offering made to him in his service as an expression of thanksgiving or homage. It implies that he who offers it presents it entirely, releases all claim or right to it, and leaves it to be disposed of for the honor of God. In the case of an animal, it was slain and the blood offered. In the case of any other offering, as the first fruits, etc., it was set apart to the service of God. And he who offered it released all claim on it and submitted it to God to be disposed of as he wills. So we're big on all this stuff as Messianics, but you, and, and we like to do the feasts and the festivals. We just don't do feasts and festivals. We're supposed to be living out those feasts and festivals and the sacrifices and what they re represents. We no longer are our own. We've been bought with a price. That sacrifice has been given to God, and it's for his use and his purpose in his alone. It's dead. It has no rights except to be used by him. Paul says, and you're sure you're dead. You were dead. You're alive, but you're still living a crucified life. But the purpose now is not yours anymore. That's why he gives us verse 2. Am I, am I going okay with this? Oh, where was I? This is, so to be disposed of as he wills. This is the offering which the apostle, apostle entreats the Romans to make, to devote themselves to God as if they had no longer any claim on themselves, to be disposed of by him, to suffer and bear all that he might appoint, and to promote his honor in any way which he might command. This is the true nature of religion. That's why we're saved. <laughs> oh, isn't it exciting? I get happy with this stuff. I, this is good stuff. Living. The expression probably means that they were to devote the vigorous, active powers of their bodies and souls to the service of God. The Jew offered his victim, slew it, and presented it dead. It could not be presented again. In opposition to this, we are to present ourselves with all our living, vital energies. Why well, hey there. Acceptable unto God. 
they are exhorted to offer such a sacrifice as will be acceptable to God. That is, such a one as he had just specified, one that was living and holy. No sacrifice, this, is going, this took me back, no sacrifice should be made which is not acceptable to God. The offerings of the pagan, the pilgrimages of the Muslims, the self-inflicted... Uh, let me, let me do it again. I was a little distracted there. The offerings of the pagan, the pilgrimages of the Muslims, the self-inflicted penalties of the Roman Catholics, uncommanded by God, cannot be acceptable to him. You know, we think the Muslims were, you know, we're just learning about Muslims. No, this guy was, what, a couple hundred years ago. And, and if you read the Reformers, if you read what Calvin has to have a note. If you... Uh, <sighs> Got to catch my breath here. This Muslim thing, we're, we're, our generation are Johnny-come-latelys. You know why? We've turned our back on the Reformers. We've turned our backs on what they taught. They warned us to be careful, be wary of, be on guard about what we're suffering now with almost worldwide. Uh, let's see. So Roman Catholics uncommanded by God cannot be accepted to him. Those services will be acceptable to God and those only which he appoints. People are not to invent services or to make crosses or to seek, persec or to seek, uh, or to seek persecutions and trials of self-inflagellation or to provoke opposition. <laughs> they are to do just what God requires of them and that will be acceptable to God. And this fact that what we do is acceptable to God is the highest recompense we can have that we've made him happy. It matters little what people think of us if God approves what we do. To please him should be our highest aim. The fact that we do please him is our highest reward. And that's why these reformers and those guys before died for their faith because it was the highest, highest offering they could give to him is to be their life if that's what God deemed in death. All right, so this thing of acceptable to God, and then we'll get off of this, where I said was, this is possible and only possible because of our salvation in Yeshua. His death and resurrection made it possible for this to be a reality uh, for us in our devotion to God. It's just a simple line here, acceptable to God, through the mediation of his son. <laughs> that's it, that's it. So, I don't know if you stumbled over any of this. I don't know how much you've meditated on these verses. Please, try to take a, a page from George Mueller and slow down your reading and, and just ask yourself questions and answer these questions. You know, have a dialogue with yourself. Make believe it's you. God's talking to you and you have an opportunity to raise your hand and say questions. Oh, God, this holy and acceptable thing about others but you know if you if you put my life on a screen right now for everybody to see not only would it not be always holy and acceptable to you it probably wouldn't be holy and acceptable to a lot of people that are sitting here this morning right right so i have to stop and say ah god how do we get beyond this all right now i'll give you my outline we're not going to get to it maybe because I have something else. But here's my outline. This, this, so let me explain my, 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 my uh, title. Jo how about just show up? 
Present your body, ourselves, uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. To me, it's almost like saying, I'll take anybody, just show up. I'm looking for bodies. Anybody? 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 Now, that's not what God is doing. But he's, it's almost, in my mind, as if he's saying, please just show up. It's kind of like I, I drive a school bus. They, they worry every day that some drivers may not, their bodies won't be there that day to do the job. They're very grateful if, if they just have a body that's there everybody, every day doing the job that they're supposed to do. God is saying, Romans 12, 1 and 2, hey folks, how about just show up? You know, get in the arena, ask yourself some hard questions. How much do I really have of you? How much have you presented of yourself to me. I'm going to cry over my own preaching. I mean, this is why when Paul wrote, he said, I write with tears. Because he was immersed in what he was trying to get across. He'd been caught up to the third paradise, heard from God, he met Yeshua on the Damascus Road, had days set apart where God dealt with him, talked with him. I mean, he's been there, and he's, his heart's aching. I beseech you, that's the word parakletos, I'm coming alongside of you. I'm here to help you. That's what it means, the comforter. I'm, I'm here to help. Because he realizes, and these guys are living in Rome, where it's got to be difficult in the pagan society to do what he's saying. And so he's saying, I hear it, hear you. I feel what you're going through. I, I'm there. I beseech you. I pericoleo you. My arm is around you. Come on, we can do this. All right, so my outline. Our relation, so I've broken this up. How, how, can, how can I look at these two verses? Well, I've broken it up with our relationship with each other, brethren. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. All right, so it's in relation with each other. It's then, second, it's in relation, our relationship with God, by the mercies of God. And then the third one, our relationship with the world, verse 2. It's all about relationship. This, this isn't so much about an act of service, although it is, as much as an act of worship. It's, it's all about relationship. And to get to verse 3, we have to look at our relationship as brethren. That's why community is so important. We need the interaction. Our relationship with God. What is our relationship with God? Mercies of God. And then, then you build on that because you have to go live out in the world. What's your, how, how's your relationship with the world? All right, now. How, how to do this? This is where I get torn. Sometimes if you have questions like holy and acceptable, what I'll do like in the blue letter Bible, like I used to do with the Strong's Concordance, the big word, the big, big, huge book. <laughs> I can remember when I was teaching in Christian school when I was in Belton, I brought in my Strong's Concordance. The thing's a monster. No, I think it was in Groton. And they, and they said, look at that big book he has. And I'm thinking, it's just a concordance. But the thing's monstrous. But what you can do now with blue letter Bible is you just plug in, you go to this thing, you click on it. I'm not going to get into it. It'll give you the Greek word and 
in a verse, and Strong's definitions and others will come up about these words. So what I like to do is, all right, we're, all, we're, we're at Romans 12. So I started thinking, has Paul already used this word holy leading up to this? In other words, the Greek word holy, because I, I really think if we, if we could read Hebrew, which I can't, never will, if we could read Greek, I tried to, did pretty good, but didn't work out. I think we could see some of the things, the symmetry, the symphony of the language that is there, that is meant to catch your attention because, well, there, there, there's some of that in this. So I, I started thinking, how about holy? So what I did, and I'm going to give you the verses, and hopefully we can do this quickly, and then acceptable. Because for me, these were my hang-ups, holy and acceptable, holy and acceptable. So has, has, has Paul used this word for holy? So yes, and we're going to look at them. So here we go. Start back in Romans 1. There's not that many of them. So let's go back to Romans 1. <clears throat> what I want us to see is it's not something necessarily that Paul is saying we need to become, become holy, although he is. But prior to this, the way he's been using it is you are holy. Understand you're holy. Understand why you're holy. You're holy because of Yeshua and what he did, and you're holy in Yeshua. Now, present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy. It's a fact. Yes, you're going to have to work at it, but you can only work at it because you are already. So, these verses. And this is pretty much all of them in Romans, and there's not that many. But So, Romans 1.7. And do I have to write verse? I always panic. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. It's the same word, holy. And the King James has in there uh, the, the, the words to be, the italicized words. They, they add them. They tell us that. But you, you could and maybe should read it. To all that be in Rome, this is his introduction, beloved of God, called holy. What are you saying? All you people that are there, that are in Rome, you know, the ones that are beloved of God, the ones that are called holy. And so that sets, that sets the tone to how we're going to get to holy in, in chapter 12. All right, hope I'm not boring you. Uh, chapter uh, uh, 8. 8, 8, 8, 8. All right, 8. got to take a sip of this here. <clears throat> All right. Um, okay, this is a good one. So, uh, 8, 27. Well, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Awesome verse. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what the mind, uh, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession. Am I in the right chapter? Oh, yeah. Uh... Hold on. Oh, yeah. He maketh intercession for the saints, the holy. So put in holy. Because he maketh intercession for the holy according to the will of God. So we're, we're already called holy. Now we're told the Holy Spirit intercedes for the holy. Um, 11, chapter 11. I ought to tell you what the word is so then I won't stumble myself up. 
So again, it's the word holy. Uh, in this time, in this time, it is holy. Um, just to show you, it says, and if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild branch were grafted in, uh, where am I? Oh, see, I'm reading the wrong verse. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also supplied word holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. The whole thing's holy. <laughs> yeah, 16. I said the wrong one. So I said 17. I think it's 16. 11 and 16. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. So this is talking about us being grafted in to this holy thing that is holy, holy. Um, then the next use is 12.1, our verse. But in chapter 12, it's used some more. Saints, this time 12.13. Distributing to the necessity of the holy ones. Uh, 15.25. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the holy ones. Verse 26. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution to the poor holy ones which are at Jerusalem. Uh, 1531, that I may be delivered from them that uh, do not believe and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the holy ones. Almost done. 16.2, uh, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh the holy ones. 16.15, all the holy ones which are with them. So this word, it's a key word in it. So by the time you get to chapter 12, he's already told you that you're called holy and everything that I've already said. Now, based on that, just be what you are. Just be what you are. But I can't. You know my life. It plays before you every day. I get it. I understand that. Keep working on that. But know that in my son, your Savior, I see you as holy. We're already seated in the heavenlies. This is a done deal. There's no, therefore now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, he tells us in chapter 8. So don't condemn yourself. I can't. How do I do this? By faith, trust God that he's working in you and will continue to work in you. But just rest, just like every saint of God, even Paul himself, had to rest in the holiness of God. Paul, he's writing about all this stuff, and he's the one that blew a cork getting mad at, um, who, do you, who do you split from? Barnabas! The, 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 the argument was so hot, it's called a paroxysm. They're just yelling at one another. That wasn't too holy. It, Paul didn't seem to lose any sleep over that. All right, now the, the other word, acceptable. And then I'm going to wind it down with my three points, but quickly. It's only used, I think, uh, twice that I want to look at uh, in, in this. All right, we'll go backwards. So 14... Well, let's go to chapter 12, because it's the second time where it's used. Um, okay, so it's used here for our reasonable service. It's the same word that we're going to see in chapter 14, which is acceptable, uh, which is, and I know it gets confusing, which is acceptable to God, which is your, uh, you know, acceptable, I'm getting myself confused. Anyway, 12.2, so there's the acceptable service. In 14.18, I'm trying to rush too much is my problem. For he that in these things serveth Christ 
is acceptable to God and approved of men. So anyway, that's just that's where it's used here. So he he deals with this idea of acceptance and your service to God is acceptable. And that's what he kind of closes out with in chapter 14, verse 18. For he that in these things which he has talked about service Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Uh, oh, we got to go with this one. Okay, then one more, Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. This is the last one on this. But it's encouraging, I think. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. And, and here's our phrase. Um, um, not yet. Working in you that, here's our phrase, which is well-pleasing in his sight. That's the same word for acceptable. So how does this happen? Well, God is the one that has to be working in us. He's the one that will be working in us to make that which we do acceptable in his sight. And it's great. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is acceptable in his sight. That's where Paul says holy and acceptable. Well, that's our part. We say, God, I can't do it. And he says, you're right. You're right. You can't. But I'm telling you that the God of peace that brought your Savior, the great shepherd of the sheep, uh, up from the dead, uh, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, he's the one that will make you in perfect in every good work to do his will working in you what's acceptable to me so paul tells us that and well if paul wrote hebrews he tell who the writer of hebrews tells us that in hebrews 13. all right now how am i doing here luke am i am i losing us okay i probably will admit so let me, let's wind this up as quickly as i know how to because i do want to go through my outline all right now our relationship with each other i beseech you therefore brethren Okay, you have to see this as what I'm calling an in-house family matter. Paul's talking to the family. I don't know how you are as fathers or sometimes as mothers. I know how I was. As, as, it's like we're going to get together and have a talk, guys. Everybody huddle around. We need to discuss something. We're going to have this time of talk. Nobody else is involved. Sometimes in, in my church in Milford, when, when we had to talk something very serious afterwards, I'd say those who are members... Please stay, the rest of you, go, because this is an in-house family matter. Well, this is what Paul is trying to get these people to see. Folks, listen, you're living in Rome. This is kind of like, wow, you know, far away from mothership, Jerusalem. But I need you to see that you're a family. Now deal amongst yourselves as a family. That's why it breaks my heart since I've been saved since 73 there have not been very many congregations, Christian or Messianic, that I've been involved in that really functions with, I know every family is dysfunctional and has its issues and you have these battles, but, you know, if you're, if you're in a family, you just can't get out of it. It's blood. It's not like an option. You know what, Dad, I don't love you anymore. I'm at Nixon, you. you're not my dad anymore. Well, sorry. If Coy doesn't like me anymore and wants to disown himself, Sure, change his name, but he's still a tanner. You can't undo that. It's a family. You can try to walk away, but you can't, really. And any loving family battles things out. I mean, on the way here, Judy, was, we, because of me, you know, 
Every relationship, I better walk away from that. Every relationship has its moments of tension, right? But we've been married 41 years as of yesterday. As of yesterday. 41 years. You know, not necessarily a great record compared to some, but I don't know, 41 years. And I, I told her today, I said, it's amazing we've been married 41 years known each other probably 43, 44 years, and more and more in love now than we ever have been. But that doesn't mean it's because I was that great guy to live with all these years. And it doesn't mean because all my kids are, you know, like Ned Flanders kids <laughs> on The Simpsons. <laughs> If you haven't seen The Simpsons, don't worry about it. Although I did write a blog on it. <laughs> um, it no family's perfect. So Paul is saying, you're not, your family, you're not perfect. Get over it and get along with one another. So it's family. It's an in-house matter. So for any home to function properly and effectively, there has to be strong leadership. Paul is doing the talking here, and they're supposed to listen. Right? He's the leader. He doesn't say this. But everybody else, shut up. I'm talking here. I'm the one that God has set apart to be the emissary to the Gentiles. Listen to me, not everybody else. So he constantly says, and he says to the Galatians, Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Family issues, even with the leader to the family. So you have to have strong leadership, but there has to be strong interpersonal relationships, which is understood and underscored by the designation brethren. So, as I started to say, there's not been many, if any, congregations, Christians, things where we've been a family that didn't get ugly somewhere and somebody just take off and leave, and it left ugly. That's a shame. You know, I've said this a million times. So I saved in 73. So I was in the 69, 68, up and above hippie movement. And I was right in there, drugs, the whole nine yard, everything. But our druggy group was a family. You need drugs? Oh, I got some. Great. Yeah. Hey, share ours. Yeah. Oh, you don't have much? Come on. We're going to bong the next two hours on the highway. You're welcome to come share. Oh, look at that hitchhiker there. Oh, you don't have any dope? Great. Hey, bong along with us. You know, and they were blown away. It was like, a, and then I got saved out of that. And honest to God, I thought when I started going to church, what a family relationship is going to be, only to find out the church is in the middle of trying to kick out the pastor, and the assistant pastor is part of it. Then you get into the Messianic movement, and you think Nirvana. You know, the Simpsons, the sky clears, it's that beautiful blue with the beautiful white clouds, and you hear a harp. <sighs> Let me find out. <sighs> We're a family, folks. And that's all we want to be here. That's our goal. We're looking for Gideon's 300 that just wants to stop screwing around and knows how to engage in battle and be prepared. And those that come, we just want to be a family. Yes, there's leadership in every family. Luke's the head, pastor. 
but we don't have an ego as much as we know about it. We're not getting a kick out of this. And you ask us any given day, we just soon just say, I'm out of here. It's not worth it sometimes. It's just not worth it. But dad can't, you know, a good dad won't leave the family. All right. So anyway, all that, all that, all that. So, um, oh, I, I want to get there. So Paul feels so strongly about this by his use of the word beseech. And I've already told you to come along uh, side, to entreat, to encourage, to exhort, to instruct. It's an armor on the shoulder. So to be able to do what Paul is saying is you have to have a good family dynamic. I think in a personal home, life, a father being a father, the man being a man, the head of the home, the mother being her role as mother, supportive, just like Paul says, if the husband is a good husband, generally speaking, and if the wife is a good wife, there will be harmony. And anybody will tell you honestly, yeah, the dad, he can yell, but the underpinnings of the family are the mother. And I don't know about other families, but when mom gets mad and she decides to talk, everybody's like, whoa. More scared of her than they've ever been of me. Everybody's used to me spitting and snorting. So you have to have a good family dynamic at home. All right, I, I shut up, Warren. Okay, our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is based upon what God has done on our behalf through Yeshua. So we have this phrase, by the mercies of God. It's what he's talked about prior to this. We don't deserve any of this. It's, 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 it's his grace, yes, it's his mercy. We don't deserve any of this. How dare us? Let our feathers get ruffled to such a degree we say mean, nasty things about one another. We slander the congregation. We leave off in a huff, go start our own other thing, and they just, from over there, just shoot the fiery darts back at that congregation over there. Where is Christ in that, folks? So it's all what we have. So therefore, because of his mercies, everything I just said, we are to present our living bodies to him in an acceptable manner. Oh, you have to turn to this. Daniel. So I don't know when this happened, but, you know, this word present. Uh, I got to get me back. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Go back to Daniel. And I, and I don't want to get into the whole context. We don't have time. But Daniel chapter 3. Just so if you want to make a connection of what it means to be a living sacrifice, Daniel is that example because what he ends up going into the lion's den right he's willing to get, die completely he dies in essence he dies he's dead he's buried he's wherever he is i, I guess it's in the ground if it's a in cave i don't know but he's basically he's like jonah dead 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 for all practical purposes all right so chapter three i hope i got this right Uh, so then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own. That's what it means to present your bodies. You want to have a reference point? These are the guys that got to the point where they were dead and said, you know what, God? I'm a living sacrifice for you to do with whatever. And if you want me to be the next, you know, chunky meal for the lions to chew upon, I'm just dust anyway. You can have my life.
Isn't that good? That's, that's good, right? All right, and then the last point. So that's our relationship with God. Just die. Then our relationship with the world. Oh, this is so good. Back to 12. I got to do this quickly. Hang with me. So three words, conform, transform, renewing. <laughs> good words. Now Paul gets practical. So it ain't sense. And don't be conformed to this world. Don't be worldly. Uh, now we're not going to raise any. Are you worldly? Are you conformed to the world? Oh, Warren, yeah. All that are conformed to the world, in the light of what I said, raise your hands and tell us how much you're conformed to the world. So the word conformed, uh, it's, it's the word symmorphous. S-Y-M-M-O-R-P-H-O-S. Morphous. Can you, can you get that? If you, if you think of metamorphous, symmorphous. Sim with morphous having the same form. That's this word, conformed with, connected to, and having the same form. In other words, if nothing else, somehow they should be able to look at us and somehow sense a difference. I told you when I was working at Pratt Whitney years ago, saw that guy way over there on the lathe over there who was in the class that we were being taught amongst the 15, 20 guys we had. They're all around. We're all learning how you... I look at that guy and I said, I bet he's a Christian. I didn't even talk to him. I waddled over. I said, I just have to ask you, you know, please don't think I'm weird. Are you a born-again Christian? <laughs> yes! He was a born-again Christian. How did I know that? I don't know. But I could tell that he didn't have the same form as everybody else in my class. There was something different about him. It stood out because of what was inside him. Uh, so, in other words, he's saying, don't fit in. Be misfits. Don't be conformed to this world, but rather be being conformed to the world to come. 1 Peter 1.14 says the same thing. Not fashioning yourselves according to. That's the same conformed. Not fashioning yourselves to the former lust in your ignorance. Peter's basically saying, stop being stupid. You got delivered from that conformity. Don't go back into that conformity. You have to put human words to it. Stop being so stupid. All right. Transform. Uh, anyways, it's, the first part of that is, is meta, to be up against. Uh, it's, it's, one source said this word for transformed. It's a total change from the inside out. And there's four times this, this word is used for transformed. One of them is, if you need a mental picture, when Yeshua is transfigured, it's the same word. Same word as this word for transformed. So if you think about it, and he, he was up there, uh, what did I just say where he was? The, the Mount of Transfiguration. So when he was there and, and he was transformed, he was transfigured, that's the same word. Uh, and also 2 Corinthians 3.18 are changed into the same image from glory to glory. So Paul says, don't fit into the world, fit into the next world to come, have something that radiates about you, don't be like the world. Be against it. There's been this total change on the inside. And third word, renewing. And I love this word. Uh, it's only used two times. Here in Titus 3.5. It's a word for to do, to do a renovation. If you think about doing a house renovation, because we see it so much, I automatically thought of Chip and Joanna Gaines. You know, they, they, they renovate these houses how people want them. It's This is how it was. They come back and say, they, Oh, y'all ready to see your new house? And they pull the thing and they go, oh my God. And then they walk through and they can't believe the change. It's that renovation. That's that word. 
Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renovation of your mind. We have to constantly work on our mind to renew it, to renew it, to renew it. You know, it's kind of like decor gets, is in style, gets out of style, in style, out of style. Your, your mind gets it, it gets out. Your mind gets it, it gets out. You have to constantly be renewing your minds. That's why we have to read God's word. That's why we have to pray. That's why we have to memorize scripture. A forgotten act. So this word for, well, anyway, so Titus, I, 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 let's turn to it because I want you to see it. First and second Timothy, Titus. Because if you have never seen it, and I'm going to say it how it is, Titus 3, 5. So verse 4, but after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renovation done by the Holy Ghost. How can you not know you're saved if the Holy Spirit of God has done a remake on the inside? Out? I can't. There's, there's no room for, well, I think I prayed a prayer. I might be, I, I'm not really sure. I know I'm the child of my dad. I know I'm the father of these five kids that I have and seven, eight grandkids, and I am their father. You just can't, you know. I was born at one point to Virginia and, and Avery. I know that. How can you have a renovation by the Holy Ghost of God and not know about it? So 2 Corinthians 4.16, yet the inward man is renovated day by day. That's cool. I told you, it's in, out, in, out, renovated day by day. Then we're done. And Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new man which is renovated in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. So, what I'm asking is in all of this, whatever you got or didn't get, hope I didn't go too long. What's the time? You, I don't know. Doesn't Please take something. I'm asking that you at least will take these verses and just show up. How about just show up? Are you that living sacrifice? Well, no, we're not. Do you want to be? That's the question you have to answer. How much of a living sacrifice do I want to give? Am I going to be Daniel? In the lion's den, potentially dead. How dead do I really want to get to be this living sacrifice? Just show up. Now, I'm telling you folks, we, this is so important because I think we all tell ourselves, I'm not conformed to the world. Of course, I'm transformed. I'm not, I'm not like the world. I'm not worldly. Well, measured by what? Now, us Messianics have the luxury of measuring ourselves by those stupid, rotten Christians that we used to be a part of. So, yes, we're not like them anymore. We're even that much better. We suck, folks. Just plain and simple. Don't tell me you're not conformed to the world. Of course you are. Does it bother you? Does it bother me? Don't fit in so easily. Be that guy in the group that can't take it anymore because of the jokes or the lifestyle or has to say something. I don't know what to say. 
Yeah, you know why? Your mind has not been renewed day by day in God's word. Get your mind renewed. Let's pray. Father, finish this. I give it to you. Thank you for blessing me. I know I feel like I'm always all over the place with a ton of say. But anyway, just do it as, with it as you can and see fit as, a, as an offering to you. In Yeshua's name, amen. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Face on the mount of your grace and your own.